Good to be back this afternoon. We've got a few faces that weren't able to be here this morning. We're certainly glad you're able to be here this afternoon. Anytime we can all come together is, is a good time. Hope everyone had a good lunch. And now to where we can all be spiritually fed uh, as we continue in the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 verses 14 to 17. We'll be focusing on the scriptures inspired of God as Paul's writing to this young preacher, the second letter, uh, as we see in the New Testament. As Paul prepared the Ephesian elders for the time when he would be gone, he commended them to the word of God's grace. We see in Acts 20, verses 29 to 32. He says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch, and yes, that's keep on watching, and remember, keep on remembering, that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. And this... Uh, word it was able to do what? what what would that word be able to do if we finish out verse 32 which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified right again letting us know those who are set apart were sanctified by the word of God through obedience to the word of God set apart for God's purpose and, and so he commended them to the word of God's grace which was able to build up and give an inheritance, and that inheritance, again, is shared among all those who are sanctified. With Timothy, Paul really did the same thing in, 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 when writing his last letter uh, that he sent to Timothy. He admonished Timothy to continue in the things that he has learned. All right, so we want to recognize that again, pick up on that, the things that he has learned in uh, Second uh, Timothy three and verse fourteen, you must continue. Again, that's a continue. Keep on continuing in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Now he first referenced the Holy Scriptures known since his childhood, Second Timothy three fifteen, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. And where's that located? It's in Christ Jesus. So when Timothy was a child, the only scriptures available was the Old Testament. All right, so we know he's referencing that. You have known the Holy Scriptures. He's putting his stamp of approval on the Old Testament. That is scripture. And he said, you, you learn these things. So Paul clearly had the Old Testament scriptures in view. He then spoke of the value of all Scripture in 2 Timothy 3, now verses 16 and 17 to complete our text. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So again, we see a great similarity between what Paul wrote uh, here to Timothy and also what he wrote in uh, this recorded uh, in the book of Acts, the things that he said there. That which was inspired of God. 
that which had the ability to make the, the man of God, the person of God, complete. You can't be completer than complete, and you can't be considered complete if you're not complete. Right? So there's, there's a point. There's complete. So if both the Ephesian elders and Timothy needed the word of God after Paul's departure, much more do we today. To fully appreciate why, consider what our text, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17, reveals about the value of the Old Testament. All right, it develops wisdom. The Old Testament makes one wise for salvation. Remember verse 15, wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So even the Old Testament it has a part in making us wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It develops wisdom. How? Well, the, the Old Testament provides information. Uh, information regarding the fall of man and the rise of sin. We would not know about that if it was not recorded. All right, so we become wiser about that. What, what, the, the fall of man, the, the rise of sin, our, our wisdom level can be increased on, on recognizing that. The background. The development of, of God's scheme of redemption, that, that schematic that we see throughout the scripture. The Old Testament provides information regarding messianic prophecies, which describe uh, you know, what to expect and you know, all those when, it, when he comes, when we read of in the New Testament. And, and so that's the Christian evidence is that it makes one wise, it develops wisdom from the Old Testament, the messianic prophecies, so we can see that evidence applying to Christ. So one cannot hope to fully understand uh, such books of the New Testament, like the book of Hebrews, without having an understanding of the Old Testament, with, without a knowledge of the Levitical priesthood. What would the book of Hebrews mean to us if we had no idea? It doesn't mean we have to be you know, uh, theologians on the Old Testament uh, you know, a doctorate degree on the Old Testament, but we, we can certainly have an understanding of the Levitical priesthood, which becomes very important when we study the book of Hebrews. And then there's that scary book at the end, you know, Revelation. You know, how's anyone going to have a, a, an understanding of the book of Revelation without a familiarity of the Old Testament prophecies and uh, apocalyptic literature that we see in the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. How would I mean it, the Book of Revelation pulls from that? Uh, almost like if, you, if you're looking at a map and you have the legend of, so you can see what the symbols and things mean. Without the Old Testament, we wouldn't be able to to, to read the map we see in the Book of Revelation. And so it's very important for one to be complete. Is Revelation part of the New Testament? Yes, it is. Can we be complete without it? No, we can't. And the book of Hebrews, can we be complete without the book of Hebrews? No, we can't. And, and, and so when we look at this, it, even the Old Testament helps us uh, develop that wisdom, helps us to, to, to get to that point where we can be complete. So if one desires to be wise concerning salvation, now anyone would be unwise to say, no, I don't care about being wise about salvation. Now, there's plenty of people in the world that are unwise and they'll say that. But we know that, that, that one we, we would desire, we should desire to be wise concerning salvation. 
Well, if that's the case, if we truly mean that, if we truly have that desire, then we're going to study the Old Testament also. Because it is part of all Scripture which is profitable. So the value of the Old Testament, it develops wisdom, but it offers hope. Note carefully what Paul wrote in Romans 15, verses 3 and 4. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He's reaching back to the Old Testament. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. What was written before? The Old Testament. Well, why was it written? For our learning? What do we get from that learning? Well, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope again the we can have a desire but can we have that expectancy without having the information that we learn of in the old testament what a sacrifice means you know those types of things when we look at that so we may would still have a desire but but where would that expectancy come from you know a, a, a young person who might desire i'll use a I'm going to use a 16-year-old getting her driver's license. Yeah, they might desire to have a brand-new Corvette. But the expectancy is probably not there. But if they had never learned about Corvettes, there wouldn't be an expectancy anyway. They wouldn't even know what it was about. And so for our hope of salvation, right, we have a desire but an expectation. The Old Testament certainly uh, plays a part in uh, enabling us to have that expectation so that we can wait patiently. We know the patience and comfort of the scriptures. We have that hope. So he appealed to a passage in the Old Testament. The reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. The things written before, meaning the Old Testament, written for our learning. So the Old Testament was written and preserved especially for the Christian's benefit. The Old Testament provides patience. The Old Testament provides comfort. If you're looking for patience, start studying some Old Testament. If you're looking for comfort, start studying some Old Testament. Not in lieu of the New Testament, but in addition to. It offers hope. Well, how does it offer that hope? The Old Testament provides a record of God's faithfulness how he kept his promises, how we know that he keeps his promises to Abraham and the nation of Israel. So when we look at that, keeping his promise, he was make a great nation, all the lands and all. It's sad, those who strive to, to put everything in the future, the premillennialists and the postmillennialists, all these different millennialists and everything, missing so much patience and comfort and hope because they miss all of that. They miss the promise made to Abraham that was fulfilled. The, he, all of the land was fulfilled. The land promise. Many of them say, well, no, the land promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. That's when he comes back, he's going to fulfill the land promise. Uh, back with the Jews in Jerusalem. Well, no, the Old Testament tells us he fulfilled the, old, the, the land promise. All that was given, all that he said uh, was given. And, and therefore, we who study it properly, look at it in context, have a good understanding of it, we have that comfort. God made a promise, and he kept it. Keeps his promise to judge the wicked, avenge the righteous, to forgive the penitent, to protect the humble, 
You know, we have all of this information uh, available to us, but, but if we don't utilize that and, and put it into practice, then, then we don't have that desire and that, that comfort and the, the patience and, and the hope. But the Old Testament does provide it. So as we read this history of God's dealings with, with Israel, it gives us hope that God will keep his promises to us also. It provides admonition. Consider what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Now we talked a bit about the end of the ages and we've looked at that where we know we're in, we're in the last age now, the Christian age. You had the patriarchal age, mosaic age, now the Christian age, so we're at the end of the ages. There's no more ages after that. When the Lord returns, time will cease. Age is a, 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 a time factor. So time will cease. So we're at the end of the ages now. So now all these things happen to them, so I'm about the Jews, as examples. Well, to who? Well, it would be to us. And they were written for our admonition, as Paul's writing to Christians in the first letter to the church at Corinth. So it's written for their admonition, written for our admonition. And, and so the end of the ages had already come upon the church in Corinth there in the first century and now has continued for about 2,000 years. So again, we're the end of the, in the end of the ages. It's not something futuristic that many people try to throw out there. So he had just reviewed the, the fall of Israel in the wilderness in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 10 leading up to this. Yeah, he had gone over that, reviewed the, the fall of Israel. Uh, the events described may have happened to Israel. They were written for our admonition. Yeah, the, yeah they, they happened to Israel, to the Jew, but they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages come. The ends of the ages had not come upon the Israelites coming out of the wilderness wandering. And, and so the Old Testament was written and preserved, especially for the benefit of the Christians. Thus, the New Testament writers often appealed to the Old Testament to admonish Christians. Paul just said it was written for our admonition, so many of the writers utilized that. Paul did, writing to the church in Corinth, as did the writer of Hebrews, exhorting Christians to remain steadfast. Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 19. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. What's rebellion? The rebellion of the, the Jews, right? As in the rebellion, don't harden your hearts. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? So here the Hebrews writer of the New Testament is reaching back to the Old Testament to admonish Christians in the first century. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? We can answer that. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? 
So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So can we see that we cannot enter into the kingdom with unbelief? All right, so we start looking at these things for our admonition, but reaching back to the Old Testament, the Hebrews writer proves this point, as did James encouraging Christians to be patient in their suffering. James 5, verses 7 to 11 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets. Well, where was the old prophet? Who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering, as an example of patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job? If you haven't heard of the perseverance of Job, come on Wednesday morning or Wednesday evening. We're studying Job. You've heard the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So it provides admonition, as did Peter, warning of false teachers and scoffers in 2 Peter 2 and verse 3. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. So as we read the Old Testament, we should learn from what happened to Israel. Though we do not live under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament is of great value to the Christian. Together with all Scripture from God, it provides everything we need. Indeed, Paul reveals the all-sufficiency of the Scriptures. They are inspired. All Scriptures given by the inspiration of God, verse 16 of our text. Literally, God breathed, theonustus, considered all scripture is breathed out by God. The idea of breathing upon or breathing into the soul is that, that, that which the word naturally conveys. As we you know, think back of the breath of life breathed into to Adam. You know, think of the, the, the life breathed into the word there. The writers of scripture were moved along by the spirit of God. 2 Peter 1 and verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God, sanctified, set apart men of God, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gave them their very words, the, utilizing their vocabulary, which to pull from. So when you have different writers, they read a little bit differently as far as words and different words and things used, but it's utilizing the proper words from their vocabulary. Verbal, plenary inspiration. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 13 these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the scriptures are not the words or thoughts of, of mere men, but of spirit-guided men who spoke and wrote the very word of God. John 16 and verse 13. However, when he, Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he the, the, the Holy Spirit will guide you, disciples, who would be the apostles, 
into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 37. Paul says, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which, Paul, Paul said, which things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. Paul writing to the Christians in Thessalonica. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you, Christians, receive the word of God which you heard from us, the apostles, you, you welcomed it, not as the word of, of men, as mere men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And so they're, they're developing Christianity, is writing the epistles to the, the, the different congregations, letting them know as far as the set aside, the, the, the apostles, uh, the, they were set aside. Uh, sanctified, and, and they were sent, the word apostolos, they were sent with a message, they were handpicked by, by Christ. And, and so looking at that, we can see how important it is. Uh, and so the all-sufficiency of the scriptures, they are profitable for doctrine, verse 16 of our text. So teaching, instruction, regarding all God wants us to know regarding himself and his will for us. Profitable for reproof, conviction, proving something. We like evidence. We like to, something to be proven. Uh, convicting errorists of their wrong, showing them the need to change. Okay, so we have the scriptures, the all-inspired scriptures. Someone's doing something that would be contrary. We can show them the scriptures, and, and, and that should be for reproof, for convicting uh, that they're wrong, showing them a need to change. It's for correction. Again, verse 16, correction, improvement of life or character. The scriptures are a powerful means of reformation or uh, of putting one into the proper condition in regards to, to, to morals for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in regard to the principles of justice, of what is right. And, and so man needs not only to be made acquainted with truth, to be con convinced of his error and to be reformed, but he needs to be taught what is right, what is required in order that he may lead a holy life. The scriptures are truly profitable, helpful, advantageous, as said by David in the 19th Psalm, verses 7 to 11. He says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them is great reward. They may complete, be thoroughly equipped for every good work, verse 17. That is, completely furnished to do what is expected. It's why we were created. Fear God, keep his commandments. He gives us his commandments. We can be complete in what we were created to do. Note well, equipped for every good work. Not some, 
but all that God considers good work. Regarding life and godliness, 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not some things, but all that we need for spiritual life and godly living. Having been given once for all, Jude 3, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, he said, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. One time for all time delivered to the saints. The faith, the faith, has been delivered one time for all time to the saints. There is no need for modern day revelations, just as there is no more need for sacrifices of sins. Hebrews 9 verses 26 to 28. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He will appear a second time, not a second, a third, and a fourth, which many millennialists would have to say to, to uphold their false doctrines. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. The inspired scriptures alone are more than adequate to make the man of God complete, competent to do everything God desires for salvation. So do we truly desire? It's there. We have to have the desire. Do we have the desire to be wise concerning the salvation by faith in Christ? Do we desire to have hope in the promises of God? Do we desire to learn from the mistakes of those in the past, even those far in the past? Do we desire to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work? Well, if we do have that desire, then we must take up the admonition of Paul to both the elders and the young preacher. Continue in the things learned by the Holy Scriptures. Let the inspired scriptures be our guide in life, through its doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Give yourself to diligent study of the word of God, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Could Paul have written the same about us? That would be the question for each of us to answer. As Christians, we've heard the gospel, we've believed the things therein, we've repented of sins, made the good confession, and been immersed. If there's anyone who has not completed that, you've not obeyed the gospel. 
we encourage you to do so, and we'd love to help you with that. For those of us who have, we must continue to be faithful, utilizing the Word of God to complete the work set before us, to fear God and keep His commandments, to teach others and help others to find the same things. If this applies to anyone, if we can help anyone in any way, please come as together we stand and sing.